John Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. The show's starting. Sit down. Pay attention. Jeffries, there are roughly 40 million Americans living in poverty. But thanks to Donald Trump, that's all about to change. The administration is considering changing the official definition of poverty so fewer families will qualify for government assistance. So, problem solved. (laughs) I guess that's one way to deal with poverty. Just say it's uh, not poverty. That's like if you say had stage four cancer and the doctor said, no, that's just a pancreas bruise. Put some ice on it. But another solution to poverty has gotten a lot of traction in the last few years, and it's a pretty simple idea. The problem with poverty is not having enough money. The simplest solution when someone doesn't have enough money is to give them money. And so that's more or less the idea of universal basic income. Universal basic income. It's a monthly government payment for every individual, regardless of wealth or work status. So are you a poor bastard? Yeah, get some money. A rich c- Money. A Buddhist monk who's taken a vow of poverty, suck a dick. Here's some money. <laughs> the idea is that if people know they can meet their most basic needs, it would reduce income inequality and give more opportunities to people who feel trapped by poverty. With that kind of safety net, people might become more entrepreneurial and take more risks. They might make more art. They might choose to spend more time with their families or take care of their elderly relatives or volunteer in their communities or get into heroin, or invest in Bitcoin, or go crazy and buy those giant Toblerones at the Judy Free Store. You don't need four, just get one. It's still a fun gift. See, not everyone spends responsibly. (laughs) Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang has made universal basic income the cornerstone of his campaign. He promised $1,000 a month to all Americans over 18, and he's already started with one married couple. Chuck and Jody Fossey are the first to try out Yang's universal basic income proposal. After Chuck Fossey lost his job, Yang offered him $1,000 a month out of his own pocket. Do you feel like Andrew Yang has earned your vote? I feel like, yeah, I probably will wind up voting for him. Probably, probably. A thousand bucks a month, and he's still just a probably. <laughs> Hell, I'd probably vote for whichever presidential candidate let me use their HBO Go password. <laughs> so the ball's in your court, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and all those other people whose names I've forgotten, including the guy I was just talking about. <laughs> One of the main arguments for basic income is that we're all going to need it when the machines take over. Lately, tech titans in Silicon Valley, like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, are some of the biggest advocates of the idea. They argue a universal basic income could provide a cushion to an estimated millions of people who could lose their jobs if they're replaced by automation or by robots. And you can trust those guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because think about it. 
No human is called Elong. <laughs> and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> it's right in the name. You're not fooling me, robot CEOs. <laughs> There's a lot to like about the concept of universal basic income, but we need more research before we know if it can work on a larger indefinite scale. So unless someone builds a time machine, there's no way of knowing how automation will... <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Who are you? I am you, Jim Jeffries, but from the future. I am us, and you are we. And I've come to warn you about the future. The robots take over everything. Oh, no. A cyborg's killing everyone? What? No, no. They just take our jobs. We all sit around collecting two grand from the government each month. It's awesome. <laughs> so universal basic income really works? Yeah. Yeah, everyone took their money and they spent it responsibly like we knew they would. There's no more poverty, no more hunger, no more war. Our world's problems have been solved. Well, well, almost all the problems. Hotel Wi-Fi still sucks. Oh, <laughs> there's something I wanted to tell you. Make sure to use a condom March 14th, 2019. It's, it's May. <laughs> well, enjoy your penis while you can. Anyway, gotta go. Time for me to get back to the future. November 2019! <laughs> Wow. I'm going to live through the summer. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back. Sometimes the line between tourism and exploitation can be hard to see. I went to South Africa to find it and then cross it. Take a look. Cape Town has lots of luxury, but in between your boat rides, your frou-frou cocktails, and your mountaintop yoga, some visitors squeeze in an authentic experience. And that's where Comedy Central sent me. Welcome to Langer Township. Hello. Hello. All right. Right, so, so a kitchen, uh, bedroom. Oh, sorry, crikey. So why am I taking a guided tour through one of the poorest neighbourhoods in South Africa? It started out like a lot of things. Questionable ideas by rich people. In recent years, a growing number of travel agencies around the world are offering poverty tours. And as more tourists from wealthy countries visit slums, the practice has sparked a great deal of controversy. It's true, well-off tourists pay about $100 for a guided tour of the poor part of town. I'm expecting to see extreme poverty, but I think there's beauty in everything. I'm glad I don't have to live there. Unsurprisingly, not all the locals are cool with it. I think it's degrading. It's kind of inhuman. So you think they are seeing you as animals? Yeah. So why do people take these tours? Is it just the social media likes? Does anyone actually benefit? To find out, I spoke with Tony Elvin, who does social enterprise development here in Cape Town. People have called them uh, poverty tours. Human safari, poverty human, tours. Human safaris. Yeah, yeah. Part of the problem is this world's relationship with Africa. Yeah. We get lots of people coming over, be you a visitor, and you're coming to do your Africa years and save some black people with flies all over them. Red Nose Day. It's always big. Always got a comedian surrounded like this. I think township tourism is othering. You're sort of saying, 
Oh, I went in there and had a look, but now got out of my life today. I can go to a white bit now for right. another have a margarita, you know what I mean? Tony's part of the debate about who benefits from these tours. Does the money help the towns, or does it just go to a select few tour operators? Do the locals profit out of it? Not just the people running the tours, but the people who are being looked at or taken photographs of? They'll bung them some money. Right. I mean, they, I mean, everyone's getting paid. Right. But in terms of that having a deep, lasting effect and changing the community and improving the community, no. He makes a good point. Breezing through and grabbing a souvenir does seem like a superficial way to see a place. But luckily, someone's trying to do it better. Meet Saviwe Binday. He runs a tour company here in Langer, which is the oldest township in Cape Town. He also founded a school, a film program, and a kids' dance company. I sat down with him to discuss sustainable tourism. It's bothering when, when people are coming into the township and treat a community and people like a tour. Like the zoo yeah, animals like, yes. or, or something. How do you move from a tour to a visit? We did things. Firstly, walk. Interact with the community. They have to taste the food, you know. They right. have to sip what we sip. That is not a tour. What typically are your clientele? Our biggest clientele is Germans. Germans? Yes. Because they like seeing a whole lot of people in confined areas that they can control? <laughs> hey, so let's take a tour. Let's do it. I wanted to take Saviway's tour for myself. And boy, was he full of information. About 50,000 people live in Langer. But townships across South Africa are home to around 18 million people. They were created during apartheid as a way to keep the black population separate from the white. Kind of a dick move. But one interesting result is that Langer has developed a culture and economy all its own. For example, this is a nightclub. The nightclub is closed at the moment, it's right inside here. So I reckon this guy runs something. This guy is a bouncer, he's an owner, he's a DJ. He does everything. He does everything. His strip club's much worse, where he's, he's uh, the dancer. I'll let him explain that. G'day, mate. Jim, how you doing, man? Oh, we're doing that one? I never know what to do. Yeah. One, two, three, four, I declare a thumb. Is it more of a bar or is, it, is there dancing in there? Yeah, there's a music inside. Do you get ever white people coming in trying to drink at your bar or? Everyone can come. There's a lot of guys there coming from Germans. Germans. Yeah. Well, this is going great. I feel like a guest, not a tourist. I mean, look at all the friends I'm making. Look at all those Germans with a different tour company posing children for pictures. Wait a minute. Is that what I look like too? I don't want to look like a German. Maybe doing tourism the right way requires more effort. And in my travels, I've had most of my best cultural exchanges over a few frosties. So I made Saviwe take me to the local pub. So the PA is actually not served in classes. Everyone drinks from the same thing. But don't you worry about one person has a cold and we're all getting the Cold. The price you pay for sharing. I'm a pretty hardcore germaphobe, but as Anthony Bourdain taught us, it's always worth risking a cult to have a real cultural experience. And I'd love to create that cultural experience for my friend Andrew. Andrew, come and have some beer, mate, with everybody. I can't because you know I don't drink alcohol. This is Andrew, our field producer. Andrew? Yes. There we go. Delicious. It's a bit uh, smoky. This guy, I feel like, is going to drink the whole f***ing lot. <laughs> this is old Three Gob Sam. You see his f***ing Adam Apple going up and down. He's going to have all this. See, a bucket of beer means instant mates. Then I asked the B-Way, what's a good eat around here? That would be a sheep's head. This I, is I'm, a sheep's I'm head. I'm Australian enough to know that's a sheep's head. 
What, what's with the yellow paint on the... It's okay. to protect the skin from the fire. Right, so if you're a Simpson, you wouldn't find that racist? No, no, no. You cut them in half, mm -hmm. take out the brains, right. and you boil it for two hours, they look like here. Now, I'm, I'm also a vegetarian. Um, so, Andrew, if you want to have some uh, sheep head. I'm a little nervous, Jim. Yeah, that's all right, that's all right. Mmm, lamb head. Oh, you didn't spice it properly, Andrew. You should watch this guy try to eat pizza. It's the same thing. So, what did we learn? How can you be a responsible tourist without looking like some sort of German? Because this just doesn't happen in poor parts of Africa. People visit the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans, stroll eight mile in Detroit, even take hood life tours through South Central LA. Now, it's okay to visit, but don't gawk from the back of a tour bus or snap selfies with homeless people. Just find a legitimate tour guide, be open to new things, and remember, you're in a neighbourhood. So act like you'd want someone to act in your neighbourhood. And just in case, bring in Andrew. <laughs> we'll be right back. America is so politically fractured, there seems to be no turning back. The great divide in American politics shows no sign of closing or even quieting down. A Pew study finds 81% of voters say they cannot agree with the other side on basic facts. Exactly. We're all in our own little bubbles. The liberals on the coast in the major cities and the conservatives in whatever the, the, the middle part is called, the, the center of... Central America. <laughs> Every so often, a part of America tries to secede, but it hasn't happened yet because nobody really wants to put the work in until now. What if we all came together to divide ourselves? <laughs> Split up the US into independent nations based on what really divides us. For instance, abortion. This year, several states have passed highly restrictive abortion laws that punish women. Now, I realise I'm not going to change people's minds when it comes to abortion. So why don't you people just f off to your own country? And there you can have, not have all the abortions you want. We'll call it forced Bursylvania. <laughs> then there's the issue of immigration. When you come here, you have to spend at least four years in Immigrant Corner, which is the Texas boot. We'll give the immigrants plenty of space. They can enjoy their well-kept lawns, their very clean houses, and their freshly picked fruit. Felice Navidad. <laughs> then after you stay in Immigrant Corner, you're probably gonna move to a more diverse city. So we give you diversity. <laughs> That's New York City, parts of LA and San Francisco. Now I know what you're thinking. Jim, how can the country be on opposite coasts? Obviously, diversity will be joined by a zip line. <laughs> the trip will take 35 days, or you could just fly. We still have planes. <laughs> Next, the LGBTQ people have faced discrimination for a long time. So you guys can live wherever you want, but you also get your own country. We'll give you all the islands. Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Guam, Kokomo, all yours. The Isles of Gay. <laughs> Next, 
Native Americans, you were first here. So we're giving you Nevada. You know, because of all the casinos and all that. Also, you get Northern California, so you get a nice beach. It'll be great. You can live there with running water and all your other friends. We'll call this new country America. Now, black people, you've also had a rough time. So, so let me offer you the South. This is now black Israel. <laughs> you also have 10,000 free slaves, white slaves, from Pennsylvania. <laughs> There's a lot of babies there and they're going to need to work. If you aborted them when I told you to, they wouldn't be slaves. You did this to yourself, Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, there it is, the new America. Well, shit, I guess I didn't fill the whole thing in. Uh, Okay, let's add a few more places. Uh, Fume Town, USA down there. Fume Town for people who don't believe in global warming. Use all the fossil fuels you want, but you'll be living in a dome in Florida. That'll suck when the water levels rise. It'll be like a white trash snow globe. <laughs> then there's opioidia, right? So you're not going to solve the opioid crisis, so you might as well make a country for it and its capital is gonna be called Oxycompton. <laughs> now, we'll call this middle part Cheese Beer Mayonnaiseville. This will be known as the Fat Belt. And this part will be Jesus Heights, and then Geisha, that's just for gay Asians. Just for gay Asians. It's really just there because I like saying Geisha. Geisha. Okay, I guess there's uh. There's a few spots there I didn't really fill in. So let's say those empty spots are just for uh, dogs. <laughs> There's a lot of stray dogs out there, dogs in shelters. All the dogs get the rest of the space. And that's how we all live together in harmony, by getting as far the f away from each other as possible. We'll be right back. That's our show, but before we go, some sad news in the balloon community. Party City deflated over a helium shortage. The company saying the shortage made its quarterly loss worse as its balloon business lost 8%. But the stock got a lift when the company said it found a new helium source. It wasn't enough to save some stores from closing. The company announcing it's shutting 45 more outlets this year. Party City is closing stores! And now I have to drive two states over to buy cars, two paper plates. <laughs> or I guess I could just throw myself an adult birthday party. I don't know. <laughs> now, helium comes from mining natural gas. And luckily, Party City found a new supplier. And we're lucky enough to have him with us on the show tonight. Please welcome Cliff, the gas man Cartwright. <laughs> So, Cliff, I understand you're a helium farmer? Uh, helium's in my blood, Jim. Uh, my daddy was a helium driller, his daddy was a helium driller, and his daddy was a pedophile who got shot in the street. Oh. But he did love balloons. <laughs> and that's how it all started. 
Why are you only supplying to Party City? Helium has a lot of uses in technology. It's used for airbags, fibre optics, MRI machines. Hey, you mean them uh, beep boop tubes? <laughs> hey, they bring you joy like a balloon? Well, well, balloons don't save lives. Don't they? <laughs> so what makes your helium special? Well, Jim, I'm glad you asked. I had the fellas send over a sample from our latest batch. Oh, wow, cool. I love this stuff. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Sweet Georgia Christmas, don't inhale it. That's synthetic helium, you fool. It's got human side effects. What? You're gonna grow tits, Jim. Hey, pass me. I forgot to tell you. Don't inhale the... Ah, shit, I'm too late. <laughs> I'm gonna have tits! I'll be there in three days. That's our show. I'm Jim Jeffries. I think we can all do better. Good night. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.